With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. As always, if you're ready to put your tennis knowledge to the test, get in on the 2022 U.S. Open action yourself. The DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to turn to. And folks, if you can't get excited about 192 singles matches in four days of tennis, very likely you're not listening to this show. So I know I'm talking to the right people here when I say the way to put your knowledge to the test is with our friends at DraftKings. All you got to do, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook. You place a $1 bet and use our promo code AOD. When you do, you're going to get $100 in free bets to use for the rest of the 2022 U.S. Open. That sounds like a winning proposition to me. Again, we here at Crack Rackets. So excited to have our friends at DraftKings back here with us supporting this show. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code AOD deep at $1 and get $100 in free bets. With that said, it's time for us to step up our game here on this Ace of the Day segment. I have not performed the way I am accustomed to performing. I have not delivered as I promised I would. I'm feeling good, though. I feel like I have a better rhythm on what has happened throughout the course of the first three days. Therefore, I feel as though I will be better able to project what may happen over the next 11. Certainly, there have been a plethora of upsets on both the men's and women's sides. And for the women in particular, the upsets aren't relentless. They happened on day one, day two. They didn't happen as much on day number three. I suppose this ship somewhat steadied, which is something for us to keep in mind as we turn to day four's second round matches. But on the men's side, the seeds have actually performed fairly admirably. It was a very rough day one, but no seeds lose on day number two. Some seeds have been pushed, but many of them have managed to survive on day number two and and three as well. So something for us to keep in mind. Maybe we turn to favorites. Maybe we turn back to our old money line parlay favorites. And rather than try and find value in betting game spreads, just go with the players we think are going to straight up win their matches. All these things, thoughts I'm keeping in mind as we move through the rest of this tournament. Of course, again, day number four, 32 more second round singles matches for us to enjoy as tennis fans. A lot of them feel like they're going to be barn burners. A lot of over two and a half sets on my board on the women's side. Tough to pick winners when you look at some of the matches, whether it be, you know, a Kanepi versus Sabalenka, two power tennis players. We know how good Sabalenka can be, but will the double faults creep in? You've got Jung Chin Wen, who was spectacular in her first round win over Yelena Ostapenko. Will she be able to maintain that level? Because she's going to face a relentless competitor, one of the rising players on the WTA Tour, and now top 50 player, and I believe 21-year-old Anastasia Potapova. You know, that's another match. 
I don't feel confident in picking a winner. You look at the odds, it's minus 140 for Jung Chin Wen. Books don't feel confident about a winner either. So, you know, a lot of overs on the day, a lot of fun matches to watch that I want to talk about when we go through the board. But I've got two aces for all of you listeners on today's show. Two picks I believe are going to turn the momentum here on this segment. Get us rocking and rolling as we head towards what should be an exciting final five rounds of play in New York. Of course, as always, we've restructured this GSP Ace of the Day show. I want to start by offering my two aces of the day, my logic behind each of my picks. We can get into the matchups. We can get into all of the juicy, funky numbers, things we love to do here on this show. And then I will run through the rest of the board, talk about the matches I'll be watching most closely, talk about the matchups. I think all of you, if you have to pick, because you always have to do when there's 32 matches, these are the matches I believe you should be focused on on day number four. With that said, again, a shout out to our friends at Dragon. DraftKings for their support of this show. With that said, day four's aces of the day. Let's start with ace number one. It's a single match game spread. We're going to bet on the rising Miamir Kazmetovic, who of course has been one of the tour's breakout players of this 2022 campaign. He's a former world junior number one whom Cracked Rackets contributor Jamie McDonald and I put the spotlight on. Back in December of last year, we were doing our 2022 preview. We felt like this was a make or break season for Kazmetovic, who had floated above and slightly below 500 over the past two years in that top 80 of the rankings range where he's had some 250s success but you know the you know a couple Indian Wells runs here and there but no consistent success at higher level events obviously that changed from the start of this year he was the beneficiary tough term to use I know but when Novak Djokovic wasn't going to play the Australian Open Kesmenovic dealt a lucky loser in round one instead he leveraged that into a round four appearance at the Australian Open and since then he's thrived quarterfinals Indian Wells quarterfinals Miami you know semifinals Munich semifinals Los Cabos round of 32 at Roland Garros and Wimbledon Miramir Kesmenovic has made seven quarterfinals this season all of them at the ATP level that's a career high for him in a single season there's a reason he's sitting at number 36 right now in the rankings and reached a career high of 30 earlier this year in June. Of course, the numbers for Kesmenovic are all going to be career highs accordingly. He's holding 81.7% of the time, which is slightly below the average of top 50 players. That averages 82%. So he's 28th in hold percentage, but he's breaking serve 24.4% of the time. That number is good for 14th amongst top 50 players on the ATP Tour. And while Kesmenovic doesn't have a definitive strength, he's a guy who's able to grind physically. With just about any opponent, there's no glaring weakness in his game for opponents to attack. Yes, his forehand grip can be a bit extreme, so if you have elite power, you can overwhelm his forehand, but you can say that about anyone with elite power. The backhand smooth can change direction with it, can drive it down the line. I think the improvement for him on serve has come in particular behind his first serve, which he's making at a career high 62.9% clip, and he's just winning more first serve points more frequently in matches than he used to before. And I think his first serve is, you know, it's not elite, but it's good. It's not deficient in pace, deficient in placement. He can hit his spots well. He's very good at moving the ball around the court and 
even if his plus one's not overwhelming, very usually it's well-placed. He's a willing volleyer, even if he doesn't have exceptional hands. Mimir Kuzmetovic has just been very good this season. And by the way, happy 23rd birthday to Mimir Kuzmetovic, who turns 23 years old here Wednesday, August 31st, when I am recording today's podcast. As such, let's take the birthday boy. That makes me feel even better about my pick here, as he, the number 32 seed who earned a four-set victory over... Kalamazoo Boys 18's champion Learner Tien in round number one. He's taken on the veteran, Richard Gasquet, who has been solid throughout the course of this season. You look for Richard Gasquet, who's had some success at the challenger level this year in 2022. He's now 25 and 18 overall. Four set win over Taro Daniel to kick off his U.S. Open. He also reached the quarterfinals of Winston-Salem, uh, where he lost 7-6 in the third to Laszlo Juran, what was a very fun match. Again, Gasquet's been solid this year. Third round Wimbledon, second round Roland Garros, second round Australian Open. You look for Richard Gasquet, though. One in six versus top 50 players last season. He was two and eight overall versus the top 50 overall last year. Now, why do I use last year's numbers instead of this year's? It's because he has a bunch of wins over Musetti and Umbert this season when they were both top 50 players. So I'm discounting those from Gasquet's track record. And I know some of you will say, well, Alex, that's cheating. Well, it's my show. I'm allowed to cheat and tell you the stats I want to say. And again, Umber has fallen outside the top 100. So I don't consider that a top 50 win this season. Musetti on a hard court does not consider it as a top 50 win. Last year's stats, I think a more accurate barometer. Again, one in four versus the top 50 on hard courts last year. Two and eight versus top 50 opponents overall. Gasquet is also 1-6 in in slam second-round matches since the start of 2019. Now, a bunch of those losses have been to seeds, and you look for him this year. Wimbledon loses to Botic third round. He loses to Botic second round Australia. He loses second round to a seeded Sebi Korda at Roland Garros. You know, he has made seven second rounds since the start of 2019. There have been fewer than 15 slams during that stretch of time or right around 15 slams. This is maybe the 15th slam, actually. Shout out to math. Um, Seven second rounds isn't bad at all. This is his eighth second round in 15 slams. You should still be playing because that's a top 100 player, folks. That said, Kasmetovic has dusted on the players who are good, but not elite. If, you know, again, if you don't have a a weapon to stress Miomir Kasmetovic, who again, 7-0 versus players ranked 51 plus this year on hard courts, 16-7 on hard courts this season overall, four of his losses were to Medvedev, Alcaraz, Sinner, and Fritz at Indian Wells. Fritz, of course, went on to win the Indian Wells title. You've had to be really good to beat Miamir Kasmanovic on hard courts this season. And while Gasquet has been good this year, he hasn't been really good. You know, the hold percentage, 78.8%. That's 3%, or I should, yeah, 3% below his career average. Break percentage, 22.4. That's 2.1% below his career average. And by the way, Gasquet turned 36 years old this year. He should be on the decline. Statistically, physically, although he's in better shape than you'd expect for a 36-year-old with his sort of build. Um, That said, I think Kasmanovic wears him down physically. I think Kasmanovic at worst wins this match in four sets. I think one of those sets is going to be comfortable because even if Gasquet shot making, you know, he blitzes backhands down the line or or Kasmanovic gets impatient or, you know, again, gets 
oh yeah, impatient is really the best word there and starts forcing things, which Richard Gasquet is always well equipped to take advantage of. I just don't think Gasquet can sustain it for long enough against someone as physical of a player as Miamir Kesmanovic is. And, you know, if you wanted to take the Miamir Kesmanovic game spread, you felt more confident in that. Fine, Kesmanovic tomorrow, uh, a pretty comfortable minus 245 favorite, just not great odds in that. That said, if you think Kesmanovic is going to win comfortably in straight sets, you can get a minus three and a half games. As long as he doesn't win seven, six, seven, six, seven, six, he's covering minus three and a half games in a straight set victory. I think he's going to win in straights. And so I'm going to take him with those three and a half games as the more valuable than the money line play, which again, the Kesmanovic money line tomorrow, minus 245. The game spread, minus 140. Feels like we're getting value to me. Give me Kesmenovich to cover that three and a half games over Gasquet. Minus 140. We'll put 1.4 units on it to win one in return. That is ace of the day number one. Ace of the day number two, uh, a parlay of two top 10 seeds. And I mentioned the fact that the seeds did not lose on day number two of the 2022 U.S. Open. You look so far on day number three, Botik Vandesenskulp ended up losing in four sets to Quarantine Mute, but... Botic played a tough five-set match in round number one, just ran out of juice at the end of that match against Mute. And credit to Mute, who was rock solid throughout the course of the day, delivering us a loss on the aces side. But Botic's the only seed that's lost so far today. Rude got tested. He won in four. Berrettini got tested. He won in four. Carreño Busta got tested. Demonauer got tested. They both won in four sets. Now, am I taking games? You know, does... The fact that all of them drop sets worry me slightly. Absolutely. That said, do I think the game spreads being offered tomorrow on these two top 10 seats are advantageous enough that we should take them over the money lines? I absolutely do as well. And the two matches I would point to are Andre Rublev against Sun Wukwan and Hubi Hurkats against Ilya Ivashka. Let's start with Andre Rublev, who tomorrow is minus 650 money line favorite over Sun Wukwan. There's just no value in that. You have to bet $6.50 to win $1 in return. No thank you, my friend. That said, I think it's an advantageous matchup for Andre Rublev. There are a couple of reasons for that. A, they've played three times this year. Andre Rublev 3-0 and against Sun Wukwan. And yeah, one of their matches was tight. I believe they matched one of their wins. Rublev beat him in Rotterdam and Dubai. One of those matches was three sets. I believe it was also a four-set match where Rublev beat Kwan at Roland Garros. But simply put, Kwan doesn't have the size or the ability to generate easy enough pace to make Rublev uncomfortable. And there's a reason Rublev has won all three of those matchups. Andre Rublev has also won nine consecutive round two matches at slams. As inconsistent as he can be, that's pretty freaking consistent. Nine consecutive round two matches at the slams. He's lost just three total sets in those nine victories. His last loss was 2019 at Wimbledon, where you know he lost on a big serving day to Sam Query. Sun Wukwan is in Sam Query. Doesn't have that sort of weapon to make on Andre Rublev uncomfortable to force Rublev to play defense, which of course is never when he's at his best. He's going to be on his front foot. His serve, his forehand are the two biggest weapons on the court. And yes, Rublev got pushed to five sets in his first round victory. A, he's as fit a player as you're going to find on the ATP tour. B, he served poorly. You know, he was under 60% for the match in terms of first serve percentage. And Rublev's a guy who needs to be landing first serves because he needs to be playing on his front foot, playing plus one with his forehand behind that first serve. 
I'm wagering that Andre Rublev's going to serve better. I'm wagering on the pedigree of the matchup. I'm also wagering on the fact Sun Wukwon won in three in slam second rounds in his career. He's 0-16 versus top 20 opponents in his career. 0-7 this season, including losses to the top 20 at all three slams this season. Sun Wukwon is a top 100 player. There's a reason Sun Wukwon gets to the second rounds of slams and you know, finds himself against top 20 opponents, but because he doesn't have a glaring weakness in his game, he is able to absorb redirect pace fairly well, but against elite weapons, against elite power, he just can't generate enough to make opponents uncomfortable. He's on his back foot too long in this three out of five set format. I think that's what Rublev's going to do to him. I think Rublev wins this match in straight sets. I think one of the sets is going to be comfortable. I think that third set is where you might even see some separation. You can get Rublev minus five and a half games tomorrow. Now, if you wanted to bet that individually, that might Minus five and a half games is minus 175. That minus 175 to have to bet $1.75 or $175 to win 100 in return. That's just a little too much juice for me. So let's parlay it with a Hubi Hercots straight set victory. Hubi Hercots tomorrow taking on Ilya Ivashka. Hercots uh, is a minus 350 favorite via the money line, but Minus four and a half games over Ivashka. Hubi Hercots, much more value there at minus 145. Why am I back in Hubi Hercots? A, he's 19 and 9 on hard courts this season. And I've mentioned this on the podcast before. You look for Hubi Hercots throughout the course uh, of the past two years at the big hard court events, at least I should say for Hubi Hercots at the Masters events on hard courts since the start of the 2021 season. He wins Miami, quarterfinals Canada, quarterfinals 2021 Indian Wells, semifinals Paris this season, round of 16 Indian Wells, lost to Rublev, semifinals Miami, lost to Alcaraz, you know, uh, finals of Canada, losing to Carreño Busta, and then knocked out in three sets by Isner around one Cincinnati, but obviously had made the final the week before. Hubie's been exceptional on hard courts at the Masters over the course of the past two years. He's, what, a combined 32-14 and 14 overall over these last two seasons at Masters events. Obviously, the slams have been a little bit more of a struggle. Hubie losing to Manorino in straight sets, second round Australia earlier this year. He lost to Emer first round Australia last year. Seppi first round, uh, second round U.S. Open last year. There are two reasons why I think Hubi is better suited for success at this year's U.S. Open. A, he's a better player. He's holding serve 90% of the time, one of just four players on the ATP Tour. You can say that about it's he, Kyrgios, Opelka, Isner, the elite of the elite servers. Hubi Hercots has been one of them this season. B, I just think the draw has opened up for Hubi Hercots, where in this degree of uncertainty. You don't have Novak Djokovic as the definitive favorite. No one's sure about the level of Rafael Nadal. And yes, all of the seeds have survived, but Sinner needed five sets. Alcaraz may have won in straights, but he didn't look great in those first two sets against Baez. These are the two guys in his immediate section. Berrettini struggles on day number three. Medvedev's got to get through so many players just to even get to the finals or semifinals as is. It's a wide-open draw for Hubi Hercuts, and I think in taking on Ilya Ivashka, it's not too dissimilar from his first-round opponent, Oscar Ota. Now, Ota 
a little bit more limited from the baseline, certainly, than Ilya Ivashka. But Hurkacz returned really well against Oscar Oda, was definitive and decisive when he needed to be. He earned a 4-2-4 and victory in that first-round match. You look for Ilya Ivashka. He's 0-8 against top 10 players in the last 52 weeks, 1-15 in in his career, that only win coming over Zverev on clay. Ivashka, 2-30, excuse me, 20-31 in his career against players over 6'4", 8-14 at the tour level. If you have elite power that can make Ivashka uncomfortable where he's not able to just tee off and get into that big forehand backswing or really lean into his backhand from the baseline... He just isn't the same player when he's forced to be defensive. He's stiffer than Hubie Hercots, even though they're both big guys. Hubie's a more fluid mover. Hubie's a better defensive player. And while I think the Avashka forehand is more consistent than Hubie Hercots, I think Hubie has more weapons to expose the weaknesses of Ivashka than the inverse Ivashka's weapons to expose Hubie. I think Hubie played really well in round number one. I think getting that first round win was big for his confidence given the struggles for him in hard court majors of late. And again, I just think this is his moment. I think the draw is wide open. I think he's he's one of those guys who always capitalizes on those facts. He's been really good at big hard court events that aren't the majors over the past two years. I'm going to take a bet that this U.S. Open is where it finally translates to a major. I'm going to take him to win in straight sets over Ilya Ivashka tomorrow. Now, that's my Minus 145 on its own. But if we parlay the Rublev and Hercots game spreads, let's try that English again. If we parlay the Rublev game spread, minus five and a half games over Kwan, with the Hercots game spread, minus four and a half games over Avashka, it becomes a plus 165 wager. We're parlaying two top 10 seeds to win in straight sets in second round matches over unseeded and outside the top 50 opponents. So Ivashka might still be sneaky inside. The, no, Ivashka 73. Two opponents ranked outside the top 50. And all Rublev and Hercots have to do is win in straight sets. And it's a plus odds proposition. Even on its surface, the reasoning sounds logical to me. So that is ace of the day number two. Rublev minus five and a half games over Kwan. Hercots minus four and a half games over Avashka. Plus 165. One unit to win 1.65 overall. That is your second and final ace of the day. Now, with that said, let's run through the board of yesterday, of tomorrow's, excuse me, matches. These being Thursday, September 1st, because we have a bunch of doozies. I'm really excited for Kalanina versus Petra Kvitova round one. I'm just going to run through all of them very, very quickly. Kvitova minus 370 favorite. Look, the lefty's got the biggest weapons on the court. The serve, the forehand, her ability to go down the line, keep Kalanina honest, attack that Kalanina forehand with pace. That's probably the one weakness in Kalanina, who's a very physical opponent and who actually has a very capable backhand, well-suited to deal with the lefty game of Kavita, of the slice serves out wides, but the Kavita power is overwhelming. And while Kalanina looked good against Bernardo Pera and played with enough pace to get the ball into the body of Pera, Kavita is a different sort of beast in terms of the pace she generates. And I just think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for Kalanina. I could see that match going three sets, but I think Kvitova ultimately advances. Sabalenka Kanepi is a coin toss. It, it depends which arena Sabalenka shows up. If we get the one from round number one, she's going to win this match three and three. 
if we get the one we've gotten the rest of this season, it's going to be a three-set performance. Who knows how it's going to end? The power of Kaya Kanepi will keep this match close. But again, when Arena Sabalenka is only given away four free points, as she did in round number one, I think she's playing the best tennis of her career outside of that serve. I talked about Chin Wen uh, versus Potapova in the intro to this podcast. Chin Wen minus 145, a favorite now. Potapova. I think made a final or won a title earlier this year in Istanbul. I think it was a title, and she's into the top 50 for the first time of her career. Former world number one, so solid on that backhand wing. A good enough athlete to absorb, redirect some of the offense junction when throws at her. But if the 19-year-old from China is able to sustain the level of consistent power tennis she get against Yelena Ostapenko. She'll have more chances to be aggressive. She's a good enough athlete to play some defense as well. Ostapenko just didn't give her any opportunities to do so. Junction Wen should be the favorite, but that match is going three sets. I think Iga's going to cruise over Sloane Stephens. I just don't know how Sloane's going to hurt Iga consistently. And while the crowd will make that match fun no matter what, close first set. 6-1 Iga in the second. She wins in straights. Pagula Sasnovich is fun. Sasnovich, uh, excuse me, Pagula minus 235, but Sasnovich playing the best tennis of her career in the top 35. Five quarterfinals this year, most for her in a single season at the WTA Tour level. She cruised in her first round match, delivered us an ace of the day victory, as did Jessica Pagula, who has just been the most consistent player now on the WTA Tour, not named Iga this season. And look, if you don't have an elite weapon to hurt Pagula with, she's not going to break down. And this is a very well-rounded, very even match. Sasnovich is more aggressive. She stands inside the baseline more frequently and tries to end points a little bit sooner. But Pagula is just a little bit better at everything. So I would lean Pagula in two tight sets. Collins beat Osaka. I still don't feel great about her level. So I'm staying away from that match against Buxa. But that's a fun data point to gather it depends with which Marta Kostyuk shows up. If she's good tomorrow, she's plus 165 against Azarenka. That's a fun underdog to back because she has the athleticism, the power, and the mentality to think she should be beating Victoria Azarenka. But Vika escaped three sets round one. You just can't always trust the level of Kostyuk, so that's a stay away for me, as is Muguruza Fruvertova, Muguruza minus 185. Yes, she beat Clara Tawson, but she didn't look exceptional doing it. A lot of inconsistent tennis on both sides. That said, is Fruvertova ready for this stage? We'll find out. I'm very excited for that match. Of course, some of the other ones, Begu minus 295. She should beat Yua Yuan. Uh, I think Putensiva minus 155 should have the sort of speed and rally tolerance to outlast the shot making and power tennis of Nehemiah. Cornet Sinyakova is fun. It's a very good contrast of styles. Cornet has just been so solid physically. She looked so good in Cleveland. Good first round win over Radakanu. There's a big opening for her in the draw now that she's knocked off her top 16 seed. I think she advances. She's minus 250 tomorrow. And then again, Bedosa, I just, I don't feel confident in her level. Petra Martic has played really well. I think Martic plus 175 is another fun underdog to back. You know, Van Utvank, Burel, stay away. 
Pliskova Buzkova is a stay away as well because Pliskova serve her forehand, her back, and she has the biggest weapons on the court. Will she be consistent enough, physical enough to last what is clearly a peaking Marie Buzkova who made life a little more difficult than her? She needed to in round number one, ultimately a three-set victory, but, you know, was up 6-2, 5-2, should not have been three sets. That said, you know, Buzkova is going to track down that extra ball, put all of this pressure on Pliskova. Is Pliskova up for the test? She nearly fumbled away her round one match against... I'm blanking on the player. I can see the player's face on Magda Lynette, but ultimately advanced 7-6 in the third. I mean, Buzkova is going to put even more pressure on her, but, you know, again... Pliskova can be consistent. It's if you have power to get her stretched. Buzkova doesn't always have power to get her stretched. So Pliskova at plus 110 is interesting odds for sure. You know, that said, those are all of your women's matches tomorrow. The closest one, according to Tennis Abstract, as anticipated. Alize Cornet, 51.3% over Katerina Sinyakova. Then Jung Chinwen, 56.3% over Potapova. But lots of good matches on the board. Let's move over, though, now to the men's side of play. And again, just want to quickly go through all the odds so that you all are prepared for Thursday's matches. Sinner Eubanks is interesting. I think Yannick Sinner is going to win, but minus 1,200 is too much. And I do think Chris Eubanks forces at least one tiebreaker. I know there's an over-under. It's like 30 and a half games. If Eubanks forces one tiebreaker, even if he's broken once per set or the rest of the way, he covers that 30 and a half games. Not enough respect for the Chris Eubanks serve forehand on this surface. I do think Sinner advances, though. Ditto with Rafa, minus 1,600. He'll beat Fabio Fonini, but Fonini's going to go down swinging. So I think that match gets entertaining tomorrow. Uh, what else do you've got? Brooksby, somehow a minus 125 favorite over Borna Chorich. Maybe that's a little overreaction to him going five sets yesterday. How is he going to bounce back physically? What do they know that I don't? You know, Brooksby lost just two games yesterday, cruising over the deuce. I think that match gets physical. If I'm leaning any way in that match, it's not on the money line, but it's the over. You take the over in that match over uh, Chorich Brooksby, 38 and a half games, minus 130. Yeah, I think that match goes four or five sets. If it does, it should be at least 39 games. So I'd hit the over there. I already made the case for Rublev over Kwan. You know, Chilich should should beat Ramos Vinolas tomorrow minus 650 as a money line in terms of the game spread you're just not getting great value it's like seven and a half games and I don't want to take Chilich for over seven and a half games at this point of his career Schwartzman Popperin I mean Popperin serve and forehand are the biggest weapons on the court Schwartzman would have lost after yesterday if Sock was fit enough to be in that match but Popperin plus 280 money line is interesting. Popperin plus six and a half games minus 160. Also interesting. Probably a stay away for me. Musetti Brower is a stay away. Musetti wins five sets over Gofen. He should beat Brower. He's minus 255 to do so, but I don't want any part of that match. Cam Nori minus seven and a half games over Joe Sosa is interesting. If it was like minus 130, I'd take it. It's minus 170, but I think he's going to advance. And I think he's going to advance pretty comfortably. You know, Dan Evans, Duckworth, the Duck is playing well enough. You got to respect him. But Evans minus 450 favorite for a reason. Uh, I think Nakashima plus 120 as an underdog against Dimitrov tomorrow is interesting. Although on this speed of surface, with it being a hard court, those are Grigor's a little more time on his backhand. It's a good surface for Grigor Dimitrov. That's a, who looked very good in his first round win over Stevie Johnson. 
Alcaraz is going to cruise over Coria, but it's like seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half games. Just too many for me. It's going to be a fun day of matches, though. And obviously, we will recap all of it on our mini break podcast feed as day four comes to a conclusion. Of course, if you missed any of the action from the first three days of the U.S. Open, head on over to that mini break podcast feed, which you can find wherever you listen to your podcasts or on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, a shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible shout out to our friends at DraftKings as well remember use that promo code aod bet one dollar get one hundred dollars in free bets with that said for our super producer daniel westoff our friends at DraftKings, and from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin your aces of the day kesmenovich minus three and a half games over gasquet minus 140 odds 1.4 units to win one and then a rublev hercots game spread parlay plus 165 odds, one unit to win 1.65. With that in mind, we hope all of you enjoyed day four's matches and may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone.